Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Batman podcast with your hosts, Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 32, Fire from Olympus and Read My Lips with Jason Wallace. Hi chums, this is a this is a this is an odd week. Like very similar episodes and yet not at all like I don't know what I mean. Jason, why don't, oh, we, okay. why don't we throw this to you before I completely fuck this up? <laughs> don't what worry. What do you I... think's odd about these episodes? No, I, I I just I had noticed that there was a ver- a thematic connection between these two, but that also they are entirely different tonally. But uh, you you chose this week, you said, because you specifically wanted both of these episodes. Like like you had a bunch where you were like, yeah, I like this one, I like this one. Ooh, these two though. Mm-hmm. Well, th- uh, yeah, uh, I picked this pair because they are. I feel like in the episodes that we've seen so far, um, they're pretty much outliers um, in that. A lot of the previous episodes um, have felt really uh, cut from the same cloth in terms of Batman's like uh, uh, thematic and aesthetic kind of influences, right? We've got a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, pulp hero stuff. We've got uh, noir detective vibes, um, uh, uh, Penny Dreadfuls, uh, Universal Monster movies, that sort of mm-hmm. thing, right? And then mm-hmm. we have these two episodes where a guy thinks he's Zeus and then there's like a puppet, you know, uh, of a dummy. Yeah, a guy thinks he's a mob boss yeah. by a, a, a ventriloquist dummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and though though that material like feels a part of the comics, it feels like a departure here, despite the fact that you know, just one episode prior, we had you know. Um, we had uh, Captain Silver Temples come back from the dead, you know. Right. Well, this is a this is a different kind of thing. Like that, we had talked about how it kind of made the world feel bigger because there was like you know global stakes and like a magic pit that can resurrect mm-hmm. you. But this is this is sort of a expanding the scope in a different direction. Like this this makes the world feel weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Be- I don't know that we've ever had sort of like the the villains who are delusional like mm-hmm. this like they they're they're crazy but not quite crazy in this specific way until yeah. now yeah to to some extent the villains have all been delusional in one way or another but this is clearly like we're talking about personality disorders and mm-hmm. just right. full sort of fantasy worlds right sort of disconnected from most of reality yeah, yeah and 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 like like Matt said these these episodes serve to make the you know, animated series kind of universe, just sort of casually weirder mm-hmm. um, yep. in a, I, I, I hate to toss this term around too much, but like a kind of vaguely Lynchian way. It's like, oh, oh yeah. So here's just a dude, you know, who has a puppet that acts out his most criminal and violent impulses mm-hmm. uh, while he himself is a, you know, uh, a flop sweated nervous wreck, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's and I mean, and that's the, and that's the plot. Congratulations. I mean, we'll talk about it more when we get to that episode. But Matt, you sat next to me at nearly every convention I've done. That's basically me. I mean, that is entirely true. To like, the point not, where you would get into fights with your own puppet. Yes, like I'm. I'm not great 
one-on-one like in a in a sort of selling situation Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm pressuring people you know i I just i I feel like a jerk but like if i can be a character and it's easier to be a character if i have a prop to act that character out with it's you know then i can sell to my heart's content because it's not me it's the character sure yeah there's a there's an element of displacement there i mean that's i mean when you do um if I can just sort of turn my chair around and talk about the art of acting here. Um, <laughs> hey, kids. Hey, kids. You're going to rap with us about your craft? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's a there's a level of displacement there whenever you have a, a facsimile of a real person, right? Or, or a mm-hmm. human sort of visage, right? Now, we're talking about puppets, but also... Um, when we do mask work, right? You know, when we put mm-hmm. on like neutral masks, which are exactly mm-hmm. what they sound like. They're sort of like faceless, um, the, the kind of masks that that dance troupe Jabberwocky, you know, wore for a while, just sort of faceless, uh, white kind of expressionless mm-hmm. masks and stuff like that. Putting those on and then and then working with those really does start to have a kind of a psychological effect on you where it can sort of shave away those those ingrained individual parts of you and you kind of become another person. So that that mm-hmm. that leap uh from that to, you know, ventriloquist dummies acting mm-hmm. like almost, you know, a separate entity or something like that is it's very easy for me to see. Well, sure. Plus, you know, you I assume do not suffer from dissociative identity disorder or as they called it back then, multiple personality mm-hmm. disorder. So like That I know of. Well, right. But like, you know, I think that's the missing factor is the, you know, raging mental illness, which well, is what these these two antagonists have in common. Well, let, let's not let's not jump the gun here. I'm I have some kind of raging mental illness. Look, but we it's all not have some course. kind of raging mental illness. Right. Oh, yes. Right, that's yeah. what brings us together. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> with our with our anxieties combined. <laughs> <laughs> we can almost complete one podcast. <laughs> Almost. And with that, let me tell you what happened. Well, let me attempt to tell you what happens in Fire from Olympus. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's been an extremely long week, and, and this may be a little disjointed, and I apologize in advance for that. All right, here we go. Jim Gordon's hanging around in Greek town, presumably to meet up with his friend Yostwis Ardiwo, when some poor sap in, is cornered in an alley full of tires and nearly electrocuted to death. Personally, I think the lead story here is nearly electrocuted to death, but something tells me that Matt and Jason are positively baffled by the existence of tires in a major metropolitan setting, because last time they didn't understand bricks. Oh, oh, there, there will be more later. <laughs> <laughs> Those tires do mean the difference between nearly electrocuted to death and actually electrocuted to death, so you know who loves those tires? That poor sap. Also standards and practices. <laughs> Next day, Jim has Batman over for the usual jaw sesh. You know, order a pizza, talk about boys, do each other's hair, put on a video. The video in question is a highly classified briefing about the military's new lightning cannon. You think there could be some connection between this and that guy who was nearly electrocuted to death? Gordon asks the world's greatest detective. You know what, Jim? Maybe it was a mistake giving you a giant spotlight with a picture of me on it. Batman doesn't say for some reason. <laughs> Instead, he jumps in the old Batwing and confronts... Oh, boy... In the words of the great Pendulette, then there's this asshole. Meet Maxi Zeus, some shirtless bonehead who thinks he's a Greek god, which is why, obviously, he speaks in Elizabethan English. You know, like the Greek gods did. 
Despite his whole toga and game board from Clash of the Titans deal, Maxi gave me some serious Renfair vibes, which was almost certainly directly related to my desire to see Batman punch him repeatedly in the face until there's nothing left but pulp and an exquisitely sculpted beard. Batman appeals to Cleo, Maxie's muse of exposition, who is clearly into him at some point, but thy bloom is oft thine rose now, foul fiend. You see how annoying that is? <laughs> so she helps Batman break into Zeus Co. Corporate HQ, you know, from the old myths, <laughs> since I guess he can't fly his plane up there again for some reason. Then Maxie decides to tie Cleo to his new lightning cannon, why not? And then Batman defeats him with a grenade, which is absolutely nothing like a gun. How dare you even suggest such a thing? To my extreme disappointment, Maxie is not beaten to within an inch of his immortal life, but is instead transported to Arkham. Which is a pretty sick burn if you think about it. Yesterday you were a god, today you have to fight Jervis Tetch for a cafeteria tray. Yeah, I like that uh, Maxie's definition of mythology is, well, I read a Thor comic one time. (laughs) (laughs) I half remembered my high school classics course, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just try to chuck some of those in there. I used to watch uh, Hercules The Legendary Journeys. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I watched uh, the a VHS copy of Hercules half asleep once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like the Italian one dubbed into English. So Yeah, the good one. Well, excuse me, the Greek one dubbed into English. Oh, of course. With how, how incredibly uh, Greek this episode is. I mean, it is very well, Greek. I mean, they are hanging around by what is it, Stavros's Euros, or I don't know. They tried for about a minute. There's to, a there's a Zorba something or other that mm-hmm. yes, there is a front of. Zorba the Greek reference because there's a yeah. Zorba. Well, okay, so it's either a like a Greek food restaurant, you know, where you get a euro or something like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. or um, as the sign out back reads, Zorba's Mary Biopsy, which is. <laughs> The, the love, close, yeah, the closest that I can ga- gather out of that. So it's also like a street dock. I don't, I don't know how this works. It's it's one guy, and uh, in the front of the building he sells uh, euros, and out of the back he does biopsies. As oh, I, sorry, no, I that that leads to some unpleasant conclusions there because isn't a biopsy where they cut off a thing they want to like make sure isn't dangerous and. <laughs> Then examine it, and it absolutely if he's then making is. food, then... Yes, uh, yes, and, and they can unsettling. also shove a really big needle down into your bone. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Which is why... like you've had that done before. Uh, no, I just have a uh, uh, an FBI-flagged uh, search history. <laughs> well, who doesn't? Yeah. Again, everyone on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is why I said in my notes that uh, Uzo's good as both an aperitif and a lubricant for surgical needles. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just took a list of all the things they, they thought sounded Greek and just threw them in. Like That is uh, 100% what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Pie. Like, pie the number, not, not the food. Yep. Put that in there somewhere. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Omega. There. There. Done. Yeah, let's put uh, the word Argonaut on uh, a storefront for half a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I'm sure led to Matt like waiting for there to be a skeleton army, and then there never was. Oh, we should be so lucky. Mm-hmm. That's a good episode, but a skeleton army definitely would have helped. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pretty sure at some point in the course of this, this whole animated universe, you'll get at least one skeleton army. So. I would hope so. Yeah. As we, learned, sure. I mean, from, as we learned from Joseph Campbell's you know, the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be a skeleton army at some point. I mean, that's 
That's part of the trial. Well, yeah, well, it's I, like what I, step eighteen for the forging of the skeleton army. Yeah, step eighteen, forge the skeleton army. Step nineteen, uh, go back in time and uh, pres- uh, assume the body of a young boy voiced mm. by Haley Joel Osment. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an extended uh, Kingdom Hearts joke. If you excellent, just as a side note, nope. I just thought I'd slip that in there. No, nope, not a clue. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Somebody will get it, and they're going to love it. Step Kingdom Hearts with this combination of uh, weird anime shit and Mickey Mouse characters uh, went right over my head. Mm-hmm. And, and incomprehensible storytelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like Maxi Zeus, I don't think he ever comes back. He might, but I don't think so. But it would be I mean, there's only so with... many stories you can do with this guy. Yeah, but I was going to say, I think that he, like, when we get to Justice League, it'd be great to throw him against Wonder Woman mm-hmm. because she'd be like, oh, come on. I know Zeus. You're not Zeus. Really? Really with this? Yeah. Zounds, she, woman. She could just pick apart all his, like, half-hearted attempts to, to seem like mythology. And she's like, mm-hmm. look, I've met the real Medusa, okay? You took a course once. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, the concept is fun, and Matt, mm-hmm. this is kind of your good thing, right? I mean, like, I love the concept of Maxi Zeus, just mob boss who got bonked on the head and thinks he's Zeus. Like, it's literally yeah, he's, he's just, just playing by Fred Flintstone. Yeah, rules. exactly. It's like if we if we hit him again, he'll go back to normal, and no one's thought to do that yet. And mm-hmm. I love how everyone has to act ha- has to react to him. Like mm-hmm. Cleo clearly loved him, but she's so done with all of this. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love his goons who are like, yeah, man, I guess the boss is really into Greek shit. I mean, we're still getting paid, so what do I care? Yeah, I mean... Look, look, man, I've got a great dental plan. I can't screw <laughs> this up. Lisa needs braces. Lisa needs braces. <laughs> <laughs> Going a little Russian with it. Now, <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I, I think the national identity in this show is not necessarily that strong, so... <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, you know, we're not, like, there's no cohesion there because he's Canadian and I'm American, so mm-hmm. already it's like we're we're from, you know. Oh, no, I was talking about, about Batman. Cause, oh, okay. Cause no. I as this show. As, he's not well, Canadian at well, all. Well, yes, also, but uh, as we were talking about before we started recording, um, there's one, like, 100% um, platonic ideal of a Greek dude, and then oh, the rest of them are... That's very clever, platonic ideal. Uh, thank you. Uh, and then the rest of them are just like, you know, I got a Greek last name or like, I also wear an open shirt. Mm-hmm. It, it it very much feels like Maxi is just a person who's just like, nah, I like really like Greek culture. Oh, are you from Greek? Like, are your ancestors or something? Nah. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's sort of a, what's the, what's the equivalent? It's the Greek equivalent of a weeb. <laughs> he's that. Well, he's, he's just culturally appropriating, but mm-hmm. Greeks are generally thought of as white, so I guess it's not too egregious, but it's just not a, great. A big fan of columns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I like how he sort of justifies all his, like, because he's got a bunch of tech stuff. He's mm-hmm. got, like, like security cameras, for instance, and he the way he processes that in his crazy mind is like, no, I have God vision. I can see places that other people can't see. And, like, everything... All the sort of modern tools that he yeah. has, like this this Tesla coil ass lightning cannon, is his like no, this is my like thunder of the gods, man. Mm-hmm. This is my this is my Zeus lightning. This isn't a, a science thing. What are you talking about? I kinda like that. That's part of the delusion. Mm-hmm. You know what what, what bothers me about Maxi, um, specifically in this 
rendition of him. And and I, I don't know very much about like the sort of the comics version of the character because Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, that was a seventies invention. I believe that was the seventies and no one uses Maxi Zeus. Like, yeah. Right. I have read Batman comics pretty regularly for the last twenty years and I can't remember a single Maxi Zeus. Uh, that appearance. feels like that feels like a character that Gail Simone would love to do something You'd with. You'd think, right? Uh-huh. But yeah Anyway, uh, sorry Jason, you were going somewhere with that? Yeah, he uh, well I hope so. Uh yeah, he um as as the comic book origin sort of implies he you know he gets this massive um well, i won't say massive a pretty strong head trauma and then just wakes up thinking that he's zeus which you know i mean real world stuff people have gotten you know concussions or whatever and woken up spoken uh speaking like uh, mandarin or something so mm. it's not mm-hmm. terribly far off but um in this episode um based on what cleo says to batman um and sort of like the you know the the middle running of the episode um he just sort of got stressed and then lost it what's what what i heard was he was so powerful he suddenly started thinking of himself as a god like he was mm. he was so successful that like well i must be a god because look how great i am even so that uh, something that even Okay, I mean, this is rich coming from a a series that's also like you know uh, evil farm animals, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I haven't got there yet. It just doesn't track for me. Like it feels like there should should have been a step in between. Like ah yes, I'm so powerful. I'm a I'm an incredible crime boss, and then whoops, I fell down the stairs. Now I'm Zeus. You know, like where's that middle step? Sorry, my first I mean, thought was that he fa- fell into a vat of Greek stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, he fell into a vat of <laughs> olive oil. Of t- Fat of tzatziki and <laughs> came out reeking of cucumber and thinking he was a god. <laughs> well, anyone who can survive that, I, I, don't, I don't like. Usually, the move is like he was a professor of the classics, like he mm-hmm. taught ancient Greek literature, and then well, that's how uh, King Snap works. That's how a lot of those guys work. Mm-hmm. I and I, I, like, I would have, despite how kind of hokey and cliche that that turn is by now. Uh, I still would have appreciated that more than just the sort of nebulous, well, he was stressed, and then, you know, he's yeah. Zeus now. Explanation. <laughs> See, I personally you know, completely don't day. care how he got there. Like, I, I like that he's there and, and the origin doesn't matter so much mm-hmm. to me, but I, I understand, like, you want, you know, you want a satisfying cause for the effect. I get it. Well, yeah, just... especially in the in the light of other episodes, which have been like, well, I mean, I hate to go back to no, I love to go back to the Mr. Freeze episode, but mm-hmm. um they basically says, here's the exact, you know, series of events and their emotional weight that created this supervillain. And then here's just a guy, you know, who had a bad Euro once and then became yeah, but, Zeus. But I think that's how the show rolls. Like sometimes you get that deep psychological profile and sometimes you just get a weirdo who thinks he's Zeus. You know what I mean? Like I I don't think they're they're all necessarily cut from the same cloth, and I think that's okay. Like they could sometimes be. you get sometimes you get wacky magic. Sometimes you get very grounded. Like uh, is a gangster going to reconcile with his drug addict son? And then sometimes you get fucking Rachel Ghoul in a mm-hmm. in a shirtless sword fight. You know, like they cover a lot of ground on this show. I don't know. It just feels like they're swinging with a wiffle ball bat here. It's not not I, as effective. I get, I get what you're saying. It's it's a valid criticism. I just I it doesn't bother me. Is all good as as long as you understand that what I've said is valid and you're wrong. <laughs> well, this is effectively your good thing or your bad thing, right? That uh, that I'm wrong. No, that, that just yes, uh, yeah. This whole this yeah. Whole deal. This 
there's something fundamentally dissatisfying about again i i keep going back to earlier episodes which have been like Mm -hmm. we've had these high watermarks of um Mm -hmm. taking villains and making them dynamic and sympathetic and complicated uh and here we had a great opportunity to take a what is clearly a mentally ill person, mm-hmm. right, suffering from some kind of you know identity disorder or something like that, um, and and make him a like a like a real suffering you know character who who is you know pushes and pulls people away and and all this stuff, and we end up just sort of completely whiffing it, right? He just ends up being this sort of he feels like a mini boss, you know what I mean? Like all right. <laughs> yeah. Get all right. Get out of the way. I'm, I'm going to get to the. I'm going to get to the Joker or or Two Face now. Um, and I, just, the, I think the the point is the gimmick is is kind of what I'm saying. Oh, it's kind of like it, the, it's it's very much like the Riddler's uh, origin is pretty unsatisfying. I think, but you know, it's it's you just got to get to the thing. And unfortunately, his thing also sucks. But like, yeah, the, the I, I understand the sort of the, the the lure of the gimmick and the idea is great. I just think in terms of the execution. Um, there could have been so much more done with this and they end up, like I said, whiffing it. And they won't really get this right, like a sort of a mentally ill supervillain with sympathetic qualities mm-hmm. until that uh, baby doll episode later. I mean, that one's excellent, but I would it say is. the very next episode does a better job, mm. just as a as an immediate example. But we, we can talk about that in a minute. You know what? I think we will. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Yeah, um... So there's this bit where we get to, like, the big cliffhanger before we head into the final act where, like, Cleo's basically snuck uh, Batman into the building. And then there's, like, this big thing where she's, like, captured by Maxie's goons. And it's like, look out. Something bad's going to happen. And then the episode just forgets about her and she walks upstairs. Yeah, she seemed like a pretty strong presence early in the episode. And then she ends up getting tied to the doomsday machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for she, most of that third act, she's just sort of hanging out there waiting to be rescued. Like she I really gets like damseled real fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah she, she does. does. Which is unfortunate. Like mm-hmm. I, I wasn't too far off in my summary when I said she was the muse of exposition. She was basically just there to first explain to us, the audience, what mm-hmm. Maxie's deal was, and then to re-explain to Batman while we're there. Okay, like Batman. So here's time. the dumb shit I've been having to deal with the last few months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, that sounds really annoying. <laughs> And the thing is, you could frame the episode as her story and her, like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like when we see the Joker through Harley's eyes. Uh-huh. It could be like that. It could be like, ugh, you think it's fun. You think this guy would be a lot of fun, like, just walking around in his toga, like, you know, thinking people are fellow gods. But it's not. It's ugh, terrible. Just, I hate it. It's just exhausting. Yeah. Here's, you know? a, here's a story of a of a... You know, smart, competent, professional businesswoman who has to deal with her boss's slash lovers, I guess, mm-hmm. um, you know, delusions of grandeur. Like, there's a there's a nice story there, but they end up just yep. sort of, you know, dropping that in, in favor of a lightning gun. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a pretty sweet lightning gun, though. You uh, yeah, to that. be fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. As far as lightning guns go, top notch. It's Fucking, pretty like shot down a uh, a police blimp fucking awesome in yeah. in one of the in probably the most beautiful part of this episode where the mm-hmm. the sort of the oranges and the blues and everything and the mm-hmm. the blimp slowly descending to street level it's very cool yep 
somewhat ruined by the uh, the people yelling in the background of it. Oh no! And watch out for that blimp. <laughs> well, the problem is they're by law not allowed to say "oh the humanity" because when they got the blimps, they got real sick of that real quick. So oh they yeah, outlawed it. So they're they're struggling to think of things to say when that's the natural thing. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh no, blimp is crashing. <laughs> Oh so, no! Oh no! Bear is driving blimp. How can this be? How can this be? <laughs> How can this be? Uh, so since we're doing bad things, my bad thing. Jim Gordon, a city police commissioner, was mm-hmm. somehow entrusted with a highly classified military secret. Slightly implausible, but I suppose I'll allow it. He's involved with I don't know Interpol or the FBI or whatever. Like he's helping them with their investigations. But then he just goes and shows the video to the illegal vigilante whose real name he doesn't even know. I would say that here's some classified info I have access to. I would say that's very much in character for Jim. It is at this point, just like, what do I care? If that was the outline and I were writing the episode, I would have just put in a line like, "Hey, I'm not supposed to show this to anyone, so uh, don't tell the (laughs) don't tell the army." Wink. You You showed the lightning gun to Batman. You're so bad at your job, Jim. Now, now Batman's gonna have a lightning gun. You know how this is go gonna go, right? Just dangling (laughs) to the bottom of the Batwing. Bullock yep. just strides in, the door is open to his office. Hey, you guys talking about the lightning gun? <laughs> Boy, you know, I've seen a lot of lightning guns in my time, but that one, oh, the finest lightning gun ever. Fucking sweet just... lightning gun. Oh, my God. Picturing this general just, like, banging his head against his desk. Bullock knows? Jesus Christ. Barbara's like, you guys talking about the lightning gun? Ah, oh, God damn it. <laughs> uh, my good thing. And Batman, man. I heard that someone's working on a fire gun. <laughs> Shut up. Yes, Robin. Yes, that's that's correct. Just 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 go with it. Go go go. Put... <laughs> He'll never leave. We're gonna put that one right up on the fridge, Robin. Go. Uh, why don't you go play with your cars? <laughs> oh boy. What about my motorcycle? Uh, so uh, my good thing, Matt, I noticed in your notes, uh, we actually agree on the music in this one. Oh yeah, the music in this which one is really rare. good. We're, we're usually very much at odds when it comes to that, but they, there's like some really great epic swells whenever mm. Maxi Zeus is around. And what I liked in particular, just because, you know, I'm like a sounds kind of guy, is there's some really cool sort of quiet moments, too, that are set off by how loud and bombastic this music is. Because mm-hmm. like in particular, when Batman's almost falling off this very tall building and he's struggling at the top and it's very windy. This All you hear is this eerie wind and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And I think that effect works so much better without any music. And after you've heard these like blaring horns that would melt your face, then it's like, <laughs> then you just hear a tiny bit of wind. And I don't know, it just, it, it really worked for me, the contrast. And oh that, yeah. That felt deliberate and I really liked it. I just, there's bits in this where they go to town on some drums and I'm just like, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, fucking, like, war drums and stuff. Uh-huh. It also does a pretty good job of communicating in a kind of a, like, a primal sort of way. Um, those kind of, I hesitate to say mood swings exactly, but, like, those shifts between personality of, like, mm. you know, we have oh, yeah. we have one flash of Maxi um, talking to Cleo and going, oh, what am I doing? You know, oh, it's you. Mm-hmm. And then back to the sort of, the pompous Zeus and the music sort of does that as well. You know, if you've got this moments of silent kind of almost contemplative sort of right. sound yeah. and then these big bombastic, you know, uh, yeah. War drums basically. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of it was definitely drawing on like the original clash of the Titans. Oh, sure. The, yeah. 
he had the, like the, the board game up and I'm sure I'm sure that was from something else originally but that's what I think of oh that that, that that that's actually the beginner's set uh for togas and Titans yeah <laughs> uh, of course yeah I, I I have a campaign coming up so you know I'm uh, doing some I, research. I just remember the um the the after school special with Tom Hanks in a toga like jumping off a building so I wasn't allowed to play that. See, I've played that game a bunch and I hate it because every time you think you're about to win you end up sliding down a toga and then you're back at the beginning. <laughs> Are we talking about the si- I don't Okay, I don't ask never... don't ask him about Ninja Nets either or we'll never Ooh! <laughs> Uh Jason, what was your good thing? My good thing was uh, that this episode has got a lot of... There are some cool moments in this episode that are set up by the sort of symbolic structure, the scaffolding of this this episode, right? Like, if, if you were to just kind of strip away all the Batman lore... We have essentially a warrior from the underworld rising from the depths, essentially scaling a great height to defy a god, you know. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, uh, Zeus, uh, Maxi said at one point, like even says that he even, yeah calls like, him Lord Hades. Yeah, right. And 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 all that stuff um, has this sort of like almost this Greek theater sense of like import and doom and stuff like that. And and there's a lot of that that gets reflected in the episode, the, the, you know, the angled, um, impossibly high, uh, Olympus building, um, the, Mm -hmm. the, the sort of the two Herculean labors that Batman does. He just sort of (laughs) skips over the other 10, but you know, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then, you know, the, the, the bat plane rising from the mists to meet, you know, Zeus and everything like that. There are these sort of cool moments that have this sort of symbolic weight to them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like someone someone actually literate, someone who had actually, like, studied this stuff a little bit, wrote the episode and threw those, threw those flashes in there to make it a little nicer. Like, you know, if... If a less skilled writer had done it, they would have been like, I don't know, I've I've seen a you know a sword and sandals movie. Yeah. I I know what this is, but right. these guys have clearly read the classics, and it it shows, I think, mm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, and and All despite right. and despite what I what I see as pretty just okay execution, those moments like make it better. You know? mm-hmm. No, I enjoyed this one. I thought he I thought he was a fun villain. I I don't ever need to see him again. No. But, uh, I did love the bit at the end. I did. I didn't mention this in my summary, but when he's in Arkham, he he points to each of sort of the main like Batman villains and associates them with someone from the Greek pantheon, mm-hmm. which is very good. That's great. That's a nice yeah. touch. Is it Two Face was Janus, the the Two Faced uh, uh, God Lobster or whatever? From and Greek I don't mythology. I don't remember. Uh, Joker was the, the Hermes, the Trickster. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. Now that we brought that up, um, I have to bring up the concern. I think Joker has Pika. I don't uh, know what that is. Yeah. Pika Pika's the thing where you like are psychologically motivated to like lick and eat and consume things that aren't food like dirt and glass. Oh, right. He's he's right up against the glass of his like Hannibal Lecter cage. And then he just does a nice little sort of long tongue lick. And I'm thinking like. Does the Joker have Pika? Is there not like a support a support system in there that can help him? Just love putting Maybe. my tongue on glass. Thanks for asking. Maybe the window's made of delicious candy. You just don't know. 
I, we're talking about the same Arkham Asylum here, right? I mean, I mean, being made of candy would make it very easy to escape, which it is. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not well thought out. I mean, they built it on the water mains of the whole city, and then mm -hmm. they put all the criminally insane people right there, the, the people most likely to poison the water mains. So, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they made some stuff out of candy. Mm -hmm. Who fucking knows? Maybe some candy-themed villain, like, got the construction contract and... I don't know. Someone looked the other way, and who knows? Yeah, you, you know, you're 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 knows. right, Al. You're you're right, completely right. No rules, just right. It's just anything goes with I'm Arkham just, Asylum. I'm just saying, Gotham like cuts a lot of corners mm -hmm. and looks the other way on a lot of stupid shit. Here's fifty bucks to look the other way while I install candy glass on Joe on the Joker's cell, and a fun slide out of like half the cells. But I'm not going to tell you which half. You'll just find out when they escape. Well, Man, more appropriately, it would it would be glass made out of sugar because mm -hmm. that's the that's the right. stunt stunt glass, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Man, working at Arkham's really paying off until I get murdered by eight different guys, <laughs> or or get diabetes. Either one, mm. <laughs> also that <laughs> delicious diabetes. All right, we need to wrap this up so we All can right. go to the next episode. Any any final thoughts on this one? Uh, Batman fights a snake and a pig in this episode. <laughs> He does indeed fight a snake and a pig. <laughs> well spotted. <laughs> I do like your note. Do snakes have teeth? I had to think about it because, like, I know I know poisonous snakes will bite you, but like, like a big like anaconda or whatever. Like, what the hell do they would they need teeth for? They just I only chew. know. I only they, know their their attitudes toward big butts. I mm -hmm. do not know anything else about anacondas. My anaconda I, don't want none unless you've got Batman, son. <laughs> I remember their attitude towards John Voight. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, right, yeah, and, yep. and uh, an ice cube. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think they just they just like crush the prey and then swallow them. I don't think there's any teeth involved. Yeah, that's what I like. There's no reason for them to have them. Right. Oh, does the does the does the the snake in the episode have teeth? He's got like a mouthful of teeth, like big shark teeth. Ah, uh, well, those are, those are just a value add, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Maxie probably got, like, a weird fucking, like, vampire fangs, you know, but, like, fitted to a snake. Let uh, us Jesus pimp this snake out! <laughs> I can't believe the boss wants me to install dentures into this snake for some reason. I won't have any anacondas in my temple who are not betoothed. No, That's... surely everything to him is an asp. <laughs> That's not the weirdest thing I've done all day. I filled his bathtub with ambrosia. <laughs> Ambrosia salad. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Yes. That's all I got. Can we okay. talk about the fact that a gun is a coward's weapon, but grenades, yes. though, are pretty fucking choice, I guess. Yeah. Batman just straight up pulls out a grenade. Not even a bat-themed grenade. Like, yeah. He's straight painted up bat military on grenade. Something, you know, it's just like fucking yeah. hanging from fucking Snake Eyes' shirt grenade. Like, I will buy it when he... Snatches someone else's weapon that he wouldn't normally use in a pinch. Mm -hmm. But if he's got it already, that's bullshit. I need a fucking grenade for this caper. You don't, Batman. Like, like if if the thug had a grenade and Batman's got no other choice, he'll use it. But he's carrying him around. That's not cool. At least have a nice yellow symbol painted on it. That's yeah. just yeah, or a, something. A military surplus store grenade. Yep. Well, you know, Jim like just had all that military stuff. They were secret grenades, but he's like, "Here, have one. What do I care? I can't keep a secret." <laughs> Jim was a nom, and then you know, yeah. Hey, Jim, you felt you uh, passing out free grenades in here again? <laughs> Get out of here, Not Harvey. to you, Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> you 
grenade privileges are cut off. God, jeez. I will go jump on my hat for a while. Before we move on, I, I would feel... Um, it, I feel like it's my duty to say... Uh, mm-hmm. Batman was fighting that snake earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He pulls out some kind of gas canister from his belt, mm-hmm. and the snake's last thoughts are, gas. Terrible. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. terrible. Anyway. All right. My quote is, um, oh, this is this is one of his uh, uh, goons uh, realizing, oh, right, I, I got to play along with this dumb bullshit, don't I? You called, I mean, thou didst summon us, oh, great Zeus? That was actually pretty good. The the voice actor did a good job of like, uh, the, hey, bo- oh, uh, dudst thou, like, like sort of switching gears. <laughs> How canst I there. help you, great uh-huh. boss? All right. Moving on to what I consider, honestly, probably a top 10 episode of this series. I fucking love this episode. It's very good. Did you guys um, want to do Hey, It's That Guy for the last one? uh, Oh, did you find any? I mean, if you found someone, I saw your your notes are a little tenuous, but what do you you got? Um, These are kind of like third... I don't want to insult the actors, but these are like... Oh, no, they're good performers. They're just not really well-known as all. They're not well-known, right, yeah. Uh, Steve Suskind, who played Maxi. Um, the most notable thing for me was that he played J.J. Eureka Vatos in the animated Tick show. I do not remember that character. He's basically the mad scientist who was the father of... Oh, the other El girl. Seed? The other oh, girl okay. who was in the, the, the Arthur suit. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. And then Bess Armstrong, who was Cleo's voice actor, was Patty Chase on My So-Called Life. Um, huh. There you go. Wasn't that the mom? No idea. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the mom. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I liked My So-Called Life. My So-Called Life was, like, very specifically targeted to, like, my high school experience. They They got a lot of specific details right that like no other tv show did and i don't know it just kind of kind of spoke to me wasn't that was a that was a proto freaks and geeks kind of thing uh there were definitely aspects of that in there but it was more more melodrama i Mm. think more wonder wonder years Mm, less less comedy than that like there were funny things but it was it was more serious than that more designing women you're just naming shows from 1993 at this point. <laughs> More Silver Spoons? Now you're naming shows from 1983. You're all over the place, man. More Homicide, right. Life on the, str- on the Street. Look, I don't want this show to be two hours long. Can you please tell us about <laughs> Read My Lips? <laughs> I, I, would, I would love to. Okay. All right. Um, listener, beware. You're in for a scare. As Speakeasy Slappy... Excuse me, Scarface, uh, makes his animated debut. It remains to be seen, however, if this story, like so many Goosebumps, will be told entirely by Canadian day players. (laughs) At the Gotham Square Garden, Dynamo Dave and Mad Dog Ted face off in a classic contest of pugilism, each trying to gain enough stars for a knockout punch so they can move on to fight, obviously a Batman villain if I've ever seen one, King Hippo, later that night. (laughs) Meanwhile, the fight organizer counts some of his Monopoly money and then starts escorting it all out with the help of some armed guards. A mysterious hand suddenly throws a lever, cutting off the power, 
I can't not think of a Freakazoid here impersonating Bela Lugosi. Pull the string! Uh, and the money grubbers are then bushwhacked in the dark by newer, worse-dressed thieves. Look, we all suffer under capitalism, comrade. These goons make their escape to the roof through a ventilation shaft via a Metroidvania upgrade, then leap off into the cushioned bed of a waiting farm truck. Back at the hideout, filled with mannequin parts like so much maniac, they report to Scarface, a zoot-suited Edward G. Robinson impersonating dwarf, sitting next to a man who looks like an anime pervert and Sherman from Rocky and Bullwinkle did the fusion dance. <laughs> Scarface tells them that soon we're going to on this town, see? Yeah, yeah. Then the episode takes a page out of Batman 66, literally, with a spinning newspaper reading Gotham Square Garden robbed. Other pulpy headlines pirouette into view until we finally visit Commissioner Snack at his desk perusing case files. <laughs> He's startled by Batman casually walking in through his open window, as if this hasn't happened a hundred fucking times, Jim, get it together, <laughs> and hands the Dark Knight a VHS tape of this new gang's latest getaway. No doubt a multi-camera, professionally edited product like the one showing Dr. Freeze getting... freezed. <laughs> Batman then ninja vanishes, leaving Gordon with a surprised look on his face. The commissioner must have suffered some recent head trauma and can't access his long-term memory because that's what Batman does every single time he visits, Jim. <laughs> In the Batcave, Alfred and his high-functioning man-child review and computer-enhance the footage. Batman notes that the thieves are clever because they obscure themselves with masks and gloves. <laughs> And Alfred quietly worries about Bruce's recent head trauma because the bare minimum doesn't qualify as clever, bat brain. Jeez, you sound like Robin. <laughs> anyway, the big goons' exposed tattoo of what looks like a local juvenile football team's logo gets run through the computer's tattoo roulette. A tattooette, if you will. Eventually matching with a police record for Charles Herbert Daly, alias Rhino. Batman smiles smugly, having done virtually no detective work. In the heart of the city, where there ain't no love, the Bat confronts the Rhino in an alleyway above some malfunctioning vape rigs. They verbally antagonize each other, Batman redirects the Rhino's clumsy attacks with his super judo, and then the fight is broken up by a pair of cops, who promptly try out a tight five on how much of a man-mountain the Rhino is. The rhino then sulks back to the hideout to the groovy beat of an upright bass, while Batman tails him via rooftop. Rhino requests a meeting with Scarface, and the discount Farnsworth from earlier goes to wake him up. You know, sleeping, like a real boy would do. <laughs> After some, I swear my foreign girlfriend is here, guys, she's just shy, shtick, he escorts Scarface down, or rather, carries him down. Gasp! He's a ventriloquist dummy! And he's packing heat! And he's got a Tommy gun, too! Batman looks on from the skylight, horrified. But dolls can't talk. It's witchcraft, he thinks, mind-reeling. <laughs> Rhino reports his bat counter, and Scarface suspects a squealer. The gang vehemently denies it, and the puppet Capone angrily retreats upstairs. The hench rat with the Clark Gable stash 
questions whether the ventriloquist is the real criminal genius. But Rhino shuts him down with a well-wrought, rhetorically sound argument. Just kidding. Rhino essentially just calls the ventriloquist a puppet. Oh shit, guys, I think there's a metaphor rattling around in this episode. <laughs> Since everyone's windows are just wide open in Gotham 24-7, Batman walks into Scarface's bedroom and examines the doll. A careful touch makes his wooden eyelids shoot open, and Batman gasps like a beleaguered mother in a Regency drama. Further investigation of the room gets interrupted by a night-shirted ventriloquist, but Batman Sam fishers him into an adjoining room and starts the shakedown. The pupilless weasel insists he doesn't know any details about the gang's heists, all the while terrified that Scarface will catch him squealing to the bat and fill him with wooden lead. <laughs> Batman lets the ventriloquist loose to attend to the pint-sized mobster and plants a dime-sized microphone on the backside of his bow tie before scarpering through another gaping window. The ventriloquist has another sad, pathetic conversation with his gangster self before closing the bedroom windows, thus forever barring the bat from entering again. It was either that or garlic. <laughs> Back at Cave Sweet Cave, Batman diagnoses the ventriloquist with multiple personality syndrome disorder, ensuring that this episode will handle mental health issues with grace and dignity by immediately screwing up the nomenclature for what's now known as DID. And don't worry, the contributors at the DC Wiki have surely already noted the conflict between syndrome and disorder whilst masturbating furiously. <laughs> After some squiggly line vocal playback, Alfred would swear that it was two separate people, having never heard of the art and science of voice acting before. <laughs> Batman name-drops Zatanna's dad and gives a brief and unnecessary explanation of ventriloquism before resolving to listen into the hot mic as long as needed to discover Scarface's next splintery scheme. We return to the creepy sex mannequin warehouse, where the puppet master's puppet is puppeting the puppet-serving puppets. <laughs> Looks like a shipment of platinum ripe for the thieving is being bait-and-switch loaded onto the luxury liner Majestic. Scarface also warns of a double cross. He had one of his prima notions in the night. Ask your doctor if prima notion is right for your toy. <laughs> Later, the criminals arrive at the liner via speedboat and spray a ring of acid from a lawnmower gas can onto the hull, creating a convenient, physics-defying means of entry. A shot while they're boarding shows platinum bars already in the boat providing this series only evidence of time travel. <laughs> Batman quickly falcon punches his way into the liner, but Rhino topples the pallet of platinum onto him before he can do much damage. The frame lingers on his possibly dead limp hand before cutting away to a commercial for Lunchables or some shit. <laughs> Batman returns to consciousness after the break, finding himself tied up and dangling over a pit of praising the sun mannequins with deadly sharp, salon-quality fingernails, ready to cash him outside Habada. <laughs> a nearby Scarface reveals the whole job was just a trap, prompted by the ventriloquist's confession and the discovery of the bowtie mic. The mad little Pinocchio then river dances on the mic, adorably crushing it into pieces. Batman implies that he knew about the job due to inside help, letting Scarface's toxic paranoia take over. He threatens to skewer the bat if he doesn't reveal the traitor. But the bat doesn't take the bait, 
forcing Rhino to almost pull a second conspicuous lever in 22 minutes. Staving off an on-fleek death, Batman blurts out the traitor's identity. The ventriloquist! Accusations and flop sweat fly before Batman throws his voice, impersonating the ventriloquist roasting the carpentered capo. While Scarface attempts to ventilate the ventriloquist's head, tiny gangland style, Batman manages to free himself and hurls a batarang, severing the puppet's Tommy gun-wielding hand. He quickly thrashes the other henchman before facing off against the rhino. Once a massive shelf to the everything takes Rhino out of commission, Batman looms over the boss and the only normal-looking goon tries to spray the bat with bullets, only to tear Scarface to shreds as the ventriloquist screams in anguish on this children's television show. After subduing the last thug, Batman stands over the veeping... Ven- the veeping? The weeping... <laughs> stands over the veeping uh, ventriloquist. ventriloquist who cradles his pint-sized perp like a dying son on this, again, children's television show. At Arkham, the ventriloquist is on medication now and seems to be improving, taking his mind off criminal matters with a little woodworking. But what's this? He's rebuilding Scarface. Who could have seen this coming? When will the killing end? Who won the boxing match from earlier? Is this a backdoor pilot for an Anthony Hopkins-less magic reboot? Viewer, beware. You're in for a scare. (laughs) That was a very good summary, but also might have been longer than the actual episode. (laughs) It certainly, it almost certainly is. There's a lot going on in this one. Yeah, there absolutely is. I love this. I love the whole conceit of this, and I love how seriously they take it. Oh, yeah. Like, it is not played for laughs. Like, it's funny, but... Everyone is like, once they figure out what his deal is, they're like, oh, oh, okay. We better listen to the puppet because the puppet is the brains uh-huh. and this is all nuts. I And I love it. The shot of Batman discovering exactly what's going on is so fucking good. <laughs> where he's just mm-hmm. like, he's, he's at like a skylight looking in and it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. No, and they do this thing oh. with 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 the 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 you know the white triangle eyes of the bat mask, where mm-hmm. he almost looks like the tick, like when his eyes get right. big, yeah, and it it looks a little goofy, but it's like, oh no, I get it. He's uh-huh. like, he's surprised, but also he puts it together almost immediately. Like, oh, okay, yeah, this guy's like, they're not all like playing a, a terrible joke or something. This is just this guy's kind of nuts, and this is how it goes. I mean. Yesterday, I was fighting a guy who thought he was Zeus. I get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bit where he's like, he's trying to like, to like interrogate uh, the ventriloquist. The ventriloquist like mm-hmm. doesn't know anything, and is just like, yep. "Please don't tell Scarface that you talked to me. He'll hit me again." Mm-hmm. It's like no, and oh, Batman God. understands. Batman understands keeping them separate is important yeah. because they, as far as they know, are completely two different people. Yeah. So, I love that. I just, like, again, I love how straight they play everything. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. But, like, this could be camp. And I know, Jason, you even said, like, this is part of your good thing, that it, it kind of evoked Batman 66 in a way, but not in a way where it's like, ha-ha, look, the dummy is running everything. It's it's more just like, this is an expression of his mental illness. Yeah. And I don't know. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, the, the, the premise to me feels very kind of camp in that, Batman mm-hmm. 66 sort of way. Like, I can easily see this episode just being a Batman 66 episode. Oh, yeah, you and could not just take, take it in a different way tonally, but... Yeah, yeah copy-paste, replace all 
darkness and violence with Batusis, you know. Yeah, and puns. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, one of the good things about it, I guess I'll just talk about this, mm-hmm. um, is that, the, the uh, as you said, the episode takes it pretty seriously mm-hmm. and not in a way that's unaware of sort of how ridiculous it is, but in a way that's like, yeah, we know this is ridiculous. Join us. Come with us. Walk mm-hmm. with us. Um, no, it's a hard needle to thread, yeah. but I think they do it. Yeah, it, it's there are several elements of like strong pulp noir styling in this episode. The lighting mm-hmm. effects, the jazzy soundtrack with the upright bass, the gangster slang, even the spinning headlines. Right, it could be cliche with the wrong tone and the wrong execution, but it, yeah, like they they threaded that needle. They did a pretty mm-hmm. good job. Mm-hmm. No, I I really enjoyed it, and I'm just gonna go ahead and into my good thing here. It's weird to this point. We've never really seen like a smart criminal organization. Yeah. Like everyone usually just brute forces their way in like with, I don't know, whatever their dumb gimmick is like birds or fucking question marks or I don't know, whatever. But like these guys like, uh, yeah, Jason called out. It's a little ridiculous and there's there's some implausible elements to it, but they thought it out. Like yeah. they knew where to be at the right time. Like they timed their heist. We've never seen guys just like like time it. It's such a simple thing. Like, oh, this is when the guards aren't here. This is when I can drop into a a passing vehicle that I will safely fall into and so forth. Like, simple things that all criminals should be doing in this, like, crime-ridden town. But no one has ever, like, it took a puppet to say, hey, guys, why don't we do this smart? Well, I like the idea that ever like everyone in in like all the villains in this in this city are like they're they're doing their crimes, but they're mostly just trying to get Batman's attention. Yeah, that or they're they're so into their gimmick yeah. or so into like a lot of them have like a revenge trip. There's that, but like no, these guys want to pull off their crimes and yeah. get away with them. <laughs> just that's the thing. Scarface is a puppet who is also a very competent criminal, and it's good to see. It's just weird to see a strategist for a change. Like it's mm-hmm. it's nice. It's it's good to see someone like who can actually draw up a, a, a coherent plan. You know. Yeah. Okay, you as mugs. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna not get caught by Batman. Uh, boss. Uh, uh what if we get caught by Batman? Shut up, you. I, That's I not how Two Face runs things. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, boss. The the usual the modus operandi is that we get captured by Batman and then we restart this thing next Saturday. I, I worked for the Joker for two weeks, and he specifically said, you're going to get captured by Batman, like, a whole lot. He said it all the time. I woke up one time, he was whispering it into my ear. <laughs> it's just, like I said, it, it shouldn't stand out to me it, past the halfway point of the show to see competent criminals, but there you go. <laughs> well... Granted, it's it's nice to see them operating like a genuine criminal organization, but also there's not as we mentioned, there's not a lot of competition in the city. I mean, oh, right. when 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 the height of well, I won't say the height, when an average example is Killer Croc throwing a rock at Batman, <laughs> right. like you can go infinitely higher than that. But just but whenever we see someone robbing a bank or whatever, it's usually out of desperation. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not a carefully plotted, you know. Yeah, the the the, and, the crime isn't the point, right? It's the chaos or the, as Matt said, the the Batman signaling kind of aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But these guys yeah. just just want the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. A fortune in platinum. Great. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, platinum's very valuable. Mm-hmm. I understand. 
when, when I was I'm, a kid, I was I was led to believe. You know how gold's really ex- like everybody wants gold. Platinum's mm-hmm. better. Oh. I mean, it is, yeah. isn't it? I think I don't know. I when I was first watching the episode, I thought they said latinum, and I was like, Ooh. "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah, okay. but it's gold pressed. <laughs> yeah, that's the, see, that's the key. If it's just regular old latinum, anybody like latinum's, you know, is just lying around everywhere on every planet. But gold pressed latinum, that's that's the good stuff. That's the ticket. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, the last shot of this episode is so wonderfully creepy, and I love it. It's describe it, please. It's basically just so. Ventriloquist has been arrested. He's been taken to Arkham Asylum. Uh, someone gets the brilliant idea to put him in the woodworking uh, area as part of his therapy or whatever. And the guy sort of comes up behind him and goes, that's a very good whatever you're working on. And he turns oh, you, it over. You you appear to be sculpting something that looks like a tiny human head. Huh. Okay. Bye. Good for you. I have not been informed about why you're supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. So he's basically carving a new Scarface. And then there's a great shot of him. Just grabbing, like, uh, I guess it's a scalpel. I don't know how woodworking works. And just jamming it into the the cheek and just dragging it down. Oh, and to give him the scar. Yeah, yeah. as he's making an, he's he's clearly making a new Scarface dummy. And it just looks really cool. That and there's that nice orchestral sting at the same time. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Like, it's, no, the thing is, it's like very the, horror movie Yeah. The scene opens with them talking about the medication and how his personality like his other personality is gone so we yeah. could be months later they could be like well it's safe to let him in the woodworking place now because mm. he's like he's he, that whole scarface nonsense is gone yeah because you know he's again a good planner he's biding his time he's he's tricking them he's smart enough mm. to make them think that he's not delusional anymore but he's like extra delusional <laughs> yeah now that now that you mentioned it matt there is a kind of like almost like a slasher movie villain sort of vibe like you thought he was dead and now he comes back oh yeah like, yeah J- you know jason Voorhees' his hand shooting out of the grave or whatatever mm-hmm. you know or yeah. the lake or yeah, a or a, t- a tiny malformed boy trying to drag a nice lady into the <laughs> lake mm-hmm. uh matt what was your bad thing um the I don't usually get get like this on this show, but like the weird flickering of the back computer was starting mm-hmm. to give me a headache. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't usually complain about things on the show that cause me actual physical pain, but uh, well, it doesn't come up that often. No, it sure doesn't, and it was real obvious this time. Like I'm not usually no, bothered I, by that kind of thing, but woof. I happened to see your notes before I watched the episode, so I looked for it, and it didn't bother me, but I could see like how it would, and like. Maybe it's one of those things like people who are epileptic might not look, shouldn't, maybe shouldn't look directly at the screen kind of thing. Like, yeah. You know. Like, I've never like if had that's a, a spectrum, I've, maybe you're on it somewhere. You yeah. Know? I've never had an issue with something like that before. You can tell because I played 8 trillion video games. But like mm-hmm. this time, it's just like, ah, stop it, back computer. Mm. All right, kids, put on your special back computer glasses. <laughs> mm-hmm. If not, you'll have a seizure. <laughs> that's an excellent marketing gimmick. Mm-hmm. That's how they sold next, the uh, Virtual Boy. Next mm-hmm. up, Pokemon. <laughs> Jason, what was your bad thing? My bad thing is, I, you know, I feel like I'm getting, I feel like I'm pigeonholing myself uh, because I feel like most of my bad things for these episodes are always like, man, they could have done so much better. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically, this is a pretty radical take on a mobster episode, obviously. Mm. I mean, the conceit is there already. Um, but that having been said, the plot, uh, we were talking about this earlier. It seems like there's a lot going on in this episode, but really brass tacks, 
there's very little going on in this episode. Um, well, right. Yeah, they 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 plan a heist. Like they actually give the details of the heist like halfway through the episode, and then they execute the heist, and then Scarface gets you know riddled with bullets. Um, <laughs> and so the plot itself, and then honestly, a good chunk of the dialogue are just sort of okay. They're kind of underwhelming in terms of creativity. Like mm. I feel like there was a there was a level of that pulp gangster sort of styling that could have been applied to all of that in a more there's those strong elements of style that we talked about earlier about the the lighting and the soundtrack and everything didn't always carry over into the actual writing of the episode itself which was kind of disappointing um I and i don't know that i agree with that though because like scarface in particular had some really good turns of phrase i thought like he had some not exactly malpropisms, but not exactly the right thing. Like at one point he said, it'll be drapes for you. And I like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I get I, it. I'm not saying that there weren't clever, like stylish lines in there. It's just that like all of the other sort of dialogue in, in the episode felt kind of workman like, I guess is the, it, it is the felt like pretty it. standard criminal, like crime noir stuff, which I actually kind of appreciated. I thought, like, yeah, I thought that was kind of the point. And 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 Batman's this animated series is okay is better than most other cartoons. Oh like, yeah, great. So like, yeah, I'm 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 not complaining too loudly here. But uh, no, and again, the focus was more on the character than the dialogue. So even if the dialogue was a little flimsy, it's like, well, that's you're not supposed to be looking there as much as you're supposed to be looking at the character anyway. Right. Yeah. It is a very much a like a character impression kind of piece, right. and um. It's actually surprising. Um, I, I, part of the reason that I chose this pair of episodes is because this this one is um, another one by Joe R. Lansdale, who yeah. does uh, mm-hmm. Happen Leonard, and he did Bubba Hotep and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And he did Perchance to Dream earlier in the season, which is another one of those that's like, it's got a strong concept, right? Yeah, and um, if I'm not mistaken, he also wrote the infamous Batman versus Farm Animals episode. He does, though, yeah. So. So swings and roundabouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some some hits, some misses, you know. But no, this is I I I I very much like I said I would put this probably in my top ten. This Matt was this character in the comics? I think we had talked oh, about yeah. this before. I think yeah, he's been he around was. since uh, early '90s, maybe late '80s. I think. Oh right, because yeah, you said he he came around later than you would think. Yeah, he, he's to me he feels like he was made for this show, and mm-hmm. maybe that's just because I hadn't seen him in the comics. But what I like is. Like so many characters, my definitive version of him is from this. Like, right. this this is one of those, I walked away from this show remembering Harley Quinn and this guy and a yeah. couple of others. Like, this is it's, he's so sort of unique to this show. Even if he was in the comics, he's so much better here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here we go. Uh, first appearance was 1988. Yeah. That, that was only four years before mm-hmm. the show, like, debuted. So they, you know... They didn't have a lot to draw from. They probably made up a lot of their own stuff. Yeah. There's been three of those ventriloquists so far, I think. Uh, oh yes, I believe that's true. Wow. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah, I, I, think I, the, I think the last one was in like 2006 or something. Yeah, she was in, uh, uh, I think, Secret Six. Something like that. I could be wrong. What I like in this episode is that the actual ventriloquist himself does not get a name. No. He's just the ventriloquist. The ventriloquist. He's, he's nothing. 
like as Jason pointed out, yeah, the the metaphor is beat you over the head. Like they keep calling him, you know, mm-hmm. him the dummy, him the puppet, and all that. But it, it's still like I like that he's sort of incidental to all of it. It's everyone. It it reminded me of Franklin Bluth. <laughs> like everyone <laughs> reacts to the puppet and and forgets that the guy is there. And I love of that. Of course, what's Franklin doing here? What did you say? <laughs> people start people start choking the puppet because he said something about their wife or whatever. It's very good. <laughs> very good stuff. Does his gun work? I don't think we ever got a It does, because that's what he gets shot with. Yeah. Ah, right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. So because I was I was trying to figure out why people were scared of him. Mm-hmm. Like why they found him threatening. And like, okay, if he's carrying he's a working waving weapon. Waving a fucking Tommy gun in their faces. Yeah, if he's got a if he's got a live weapon and he's, you know he's that personality that that tracks but mm-hmm. if he's there's also there's also the element of it. a of like a, a weird flop sweated like retired math teacher sort of like shaking a a, a gangster puppet at you <laughs> and angrily shouting if that happened to me on the street i'd be terrified as well so mm-hmm. yeah but if i know, was a if i was nine foot square like rhino i probably wouldn't be physically intimidated by that though true and I also love that Rhino, uh, in their con- in their his confrontation with Batman in the alleyway, is like, "Yeah, Batman, what do you want? Hey, fuck you!" You know. <laughs> no, he's he's trying to play it smart. He's like, "You're not going to trick me into fighting you. I know that's what you're here for." Like again, slightly above your average goon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which I liked. I mean, I like that they outsmarted Batman in this. Like, they they tricked him. They yeah. knew he planted a bug, and they said, you know, come to our warehouse, and we're going to steal some platinum. No, we're going to tie you up. Yep. Over What this about the platinum? Some, some mannequin hands, some sharpened mannequin hands. Here's, here's what? the thing about that. What? You're right, but also the visual is very cool. It looked really cool to me. It did, uh, just because they had some very good art going on this time, mm. like some good background guys, some good character guys, but it still didn't make sense. Oh, oh no. Pointy no, it makes, fingernails. It makes perfect sense. That's 100% on brand. I, I, okay. Espe- especially <laughs> since their hideout is in this like blue velvet-ass like sex mannequin <laughs> warehouse. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I noticed you noticed it as well because I saw it in your notes. They're definitely posed a bit suggestively in the first establishing shot of that location. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like it's 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 somewhat uncomfortable. They're just kind of like leering and 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 uh, uh, oh, two of them are just clearly having sex. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's, clearly. There's no other way to interpret the way they're posed. <laughs> Insert slot A into socket B, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes, exactly. Look, I've seen Mannequin and Mannequin 2 on the move. I understand how this works. Uh, what else? Uh, it's uh it's good to see uh Willard, the Sewer King's spotted bucktooth cousin getting work, so <laughs> <laughs> I missed him. Wasn't Willard wasn't that a is there some rat boy thing? What am I thinking of? Ah, thinking you've of the stu- movie uh Willard. You've stumbled right. onto my clever reference. I, I couldn't remember. I was like Crispin Glover. Yep. What? What? Yeah. That was okay. the remake. Yeah. Right. Very yeah, congratulations, Al. You get a suite. Well. Oh, good. Can Congra- it be a window? <laughs> yes. Congratulations. You get to lick the Joker's window <laughs> exclusively in window form. <laughs> that is not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> what anyway. I'm imagining is a 
what is it ice tea on um uh csi or something like that what what, what is he on no he's on uh law and law, order, law and order. Yeah. he's talking like yeah we found this guy in the alley he was licking the joker's window if you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no kids call it licking the joker's window it's when right mix windex and uh crack and yeah no that's a rusty uh, venture yeah no one's ever <laughs> to settle a bet yes with shore leave <laughs> Well, speaking of shore leave, the voice of shipwreck was in this episode. Oh God! Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Neil Ross, who who like fr- really surprised me when I when I was reviewing GI Joe, like is actually a very good performer. Like that show doesn't give you a lot of opportunities, but he had an episode just like if they gave Emmys or whatever for for children's toy cartoon voice acting, like he should have gotten it. He mm. was fucking amazing. But here he's just one of the fucking you know goons so yeah he's the he's the rat boy right and then uh you had pointed out a couple others that that popped up sort of like jobbing voice actor guys yeah earl bowen uh who mm-hmm. voices rhino was lechuck in the monkey island games yeah mm-hmm. very good. and and obviously joe piscopo is here because why the not joe piscopo yes i mean the only comedian who survived into the 24th century as we know from next gen <laughs> true true uh, and also, well, he was in such good shape, no one could kill him. Uh, that's true. Uh, as you know, Joe Piscopo cannot be harmed by man-made weapons. <laughs> Detective. <laughs> De- Detective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, George Zunza, I hope I'm saying this correctly, mm. uh, mm-hmm. plays the ventriloquist slash Scarface, and he will do for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember him from... Uh, there was that... Uh, Late seventies Salem's Lot TV series. Oh sure, yeah. And he played the um like the jealous husband, right, Cully Sawyer or whatever, who mm-hmm. comes home and and tries to kill Fred Willard. <laughs> well, we've all tried to kill Fred Willard at some point or another. <laughs> it's part of part of the growing up process. You mm-hmm. know? I no, I think it's part of uh, Joseph Campbell's uh, myth thing. <laughs> oh right, yes. Yeah. Step nineteen: uh, possess the mm-hmm. body of a guy. Voiced by Haley Joel Osment, step 20, kill Fred Willard, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was the title of, an in, of a really pretentious indie film in the 90s, Killing Fred Willard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should probably start wrapping things up. Any, any other thoughts about this one? Uh, no. Jason? Let's see here. Um... A lot of guys in spats in this episode. Not enough guys in spats, though. (laughs) I didn't notice, but I'll take your word for it. I'm not sure I know what spats are now that you say that. They're those things Scrooge um, with duckwares. They're the little kind of like usually white kind of almost leather sort of coverings over the top of your shoe that button. Mm. The Joker wears them all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Ah, no, that's not a thing... That feels like something Paul F. Tompkins would know and no one else. Yeah. Grant, granted, yeah. He almost certainly does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely owns spats. Uh, Jim calls the uh, the recorder of the, the videographer, I'll say, of the mm-hmm. gang's getaway a home video enthusiast, which mm-hmm. is just a euphemism for pervert. I mean, let's just, let's just, <laughs> yeah, let's just be clear. Is. Yeah. I don't know what else that could possibly mean. <laughs> Also, yes, they did name check Zatara, which was nice, but they had an opportunity to mention Superman and his super ventriloquism, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. 
So real missed opportunity. Well, his, there. his super ventriloquism hasn't been invented yet canonically. I guess that's I guess that's true. He's probably just still growing up in Smallville. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything this else? Is regular ventriloquism right now. Right. Ju- just one more thing I have to say. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm proud of this note. Uh, I haven't seen underlings this nervous to speak to a criminal puppet since Donald Trump is president. <laughs> what I like best about that note is it's in the past tense. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. You got a quote for us, Jason? I do. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, it's sort of like, uh, you know, er, li- middle of the early middle of the episode. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Scarface is retreating back to his uh, office bedroom thing uh, mm-hmm. after he was accusing his boudoir. Yes, if if you will, uh, mm-hmm. and I won't personally. Um, now, Mr. Scarface, remember your blood pressure. Shut up! I want your opinion, dummy. I'll pull your string. He's just tired, irritable. He's really a genius. Scarface is. Look, I've been working. I've been working for this dummy a long time. I I understand his moods. I know. I know his patterns. You know. He's just had a really tough day. Who you calling dummy, dummy? (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy it very much. All right. Well, uh, that's about it, Jason. You got anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yes, yes, I would actually. Um. then do so this is where that goes right yes okay great um you know what i lied actually i have nothing to plug (laughs) that can't possibly be true well um you know uh we're we're probably going into like a second lockdown in this country you know and so things are things are shutting down um i'm still doing endeavor obviously Mm -hmm. i think you guys are involved Mm -hmm. with that in some way no, I've never um, heard of it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'll be posting, um, you know, regular episodes of the tabletop games that I am running uh, mm-hmm. on my YouTube channel. If for some reason you're interested in that sort of thing, uh, there's a Star Wars game coming up uh, that mm-hmm. we are playing that is taking place uh, just before The Force Awakens, right? Mm-hmm. So like 30 or something years after the Battle of Yavin. Um hmm and let's see what else where so where where how do you get to that youtube channel is that just your name or like is do you have like a screen name there like what's that's going to be go to the same link as the previous episode which i'm sure everyone has listened to um uh yeah but assuming assuming they don't remember that maybe you should tell them again streamerlinks.com slash profess hex and that will take you to just like a landing page that's got Facebook and Twitter and Twitch and my portfolio and all that stuff. So you can mm-hmm. just go to what you need to from there. Right. Excellent. All right. Well, as ever, our website is kidslovebatman.com. If you want to write to us, kidslovebatmanpodcast at Gmail. We are on Twitter at Algar at Robot Matt. Uh, what do we got next week, Matt? Next week, we've got uh, The Worry Men, which I don't remember anything about. Oh, I do. And I think it might be vaguely problematic, but we'll we'll see. It is. That's what this this cover looks like, I'll tell you that much. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, Sideshow, which I believe is a Killer Croc episode. I I don't think we've had a full-on Killer Croc episode yet, have we? I mean, we had the first Killer Croc episode, but that's Mm. it. Yeah, he's he's just Uh, sort of lurking around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. 
He was trying to kill Bullock. Yeah, in a cave. A pretty forgettable episode. It was not the best. Yep. Joke's right. on you, well. Croc. I got a lightning gun now. And <laughs> <laughs> June was handing these out at the office. That and some grenades. <laughs> the general is not happy. <laughs> all right, that's all for this time. All right, see you, folks. For more information about this show and the people who make it, visit kidslovebatman.com. To provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com slash Algar. That's double A L. G-A-R. The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Copyright 2020, Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.